Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This is Ion Veterans Weekend, a roundup of the week's most important stories affecting those who served. Presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. There are nearly 20 million, 20 million military, military veterans, veterans in, in the U.S. Each week, we focus on their stories. Powered by ConnectingVets.com. This, this is CBS Eye on Veterans. Eye on Veterans. Welcome to another edition of CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now it's the 4th of July weekend, but this year is obviously different in so many ways. Racial issues have us feeling less than united. And lately, the spread of the coronavirus is having us rethink everything from barbecues and parties to the fireworks celebrations. But it's in music that I always find hope and healing. And I think today's guests will offer us all of the above. This weekend is the 40th anniversary of the PBS national TV special, A Capital Fourth. Now, due to COVID virus restrictions, A Capital Fourth is not going to be held on the West Lawn of the U.S. Capitol. And instead, it'll feature some incredible pre-taped concert performances. But that gave us a little extra time to reach out to the performers. So on this weekend's show, we'll hear from country star and rocker, USO Tour veteran Brantley Gilbert. When we recently talked to Brantley, he shared with us a story about a friendship with a veteran that he's had for years and a deep love for all things military. Well, he tells me, he said, man, we heard there was, I heard there was a country singer coming, and he said, I figured that, you know, you'd probably just ride on your bus and then get off and take a picture on the bike. He said, but, you know, I think he, he liked to actually rode with him. I'm a biker. <laughs> uh, and we, we just hung out with him. Now we'll start today's show with another performer from PBS's A Capital Fourth, The Temptations' soulful singer, Terry Weeks, who went from the military to Motown. The same group that I had saw in my high school, now I had the opportunity to try out for that group. And my friend comes out, his wife comes out of the store, she's like, hey, one of the Temptations are in the store. And she's like, Mr. Williams? She's like, yeah. She's like, do you have a minute? And she turns to me and she's like, 
just sing. You know, um, I probably was conceived to one of these records. Every guy on this stage I know could sing circles around me, could dance circles around me. Do you take a chance on yourself or do you continue your career with the military? Terry, thanks for coming on Vet Story. Hey, hey, how you going, Phil? Thanks for having me. Always good to have a fellow veteran who's gone on to such great success. And we're going to take a little walk down history lane here with you. But I'm eager to find out more about you because when I had heard that the Temptations have a U.S. Air Force veteran as part of their lineup, I was, <laughs> right, I was right. like, "What? I have to, I have to hear this story." Of course, when we're riding a bus, we have to swap stories for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get to the uh, Motown side of the story, uh, let's start. I read you're from Birmingham, Alabama, which is also the home of some of the other Temptations. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and growing up as a young kid, you know, I heard about these stories and I was like, wow, these guys, no way they came from here. But if they did, they were the ones that got out, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> now, growing up there, of course, you were exposed to their music. I'd imagine along the same veins, uh, you know, if you like the Temptations, you like the Marvin, you like all that, right? Oh man, yeah, you, all the the Marvin stuff that, which is all from the gospel realm, you know, it all was derived from that, and and just went into rock, it went into R and B, it just went into everything, because all those elements, you know, are always there in gospel music, and that's the one core thing that we all share in common. Had you done gospel, or did you sing with the church coming up as a kid? Very little. I was I was basically a, a bass guitar. That was my thing. I wanted to be a musician. Didn't care about singing at all. And just purely by chance, um, a group that I was playing with, gospel group, uh, one of the uh, singers was always late or he never showed up to, to rehearsal. So I told the guys, I said, hey, you know, I could do what he did. I said, you know, I know the song. I said, I'm not a singer or anything. I said, but I could play it. And uh, I could cover his part. So we went to rehearsals and uh, everything went well. So I guess the following week, I come back to rehearsal and there's a bass player there. And I'm looking a little strange. I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like, dude, we want you to sing. We got a new bass player. We want you to sing. And I was like, dude, I'm not a singer. So I quit the group. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 my intro into singing. That's really how I started singing purely by chance. And it sounded to me like the way your band worked was in some ways similar to the military. Like you might not always know what's going on until you get there, and then your commanding officer exactly. just says, "Hey." And uh, uh, un- unbeknownst to me, I guess I I was a better singer than bass player. <laughs> right on. Now your career as an amateur musician was relatively short lived. And you ended up joining the Air Force. How did that happen? The weird story is that at my high school, the Air Force band came to my school, and I had no idea that this was an actual job in the military. So when the band got through performing, I, I spoke to one of the guys that was in the band, and I said, hey, how, how does this work? 
he said, well, you know, we're actually enlisted guys and we try out for the band and this is our actual job. And I said, you mean to tell me I could enlist and if I tried out as a singer, that would be my actual job? And he's like, yeah. I said, oh, dude, I'm in. Man, I couldn't wait to get to a recruiter. I went down to a recruiter's office and I was like, dude, uh, I'll sign up for whatever job, but I know where I'm going to end up because that's where I want to go. And ironically, um, I enlisted fresh out of high school. I actually joined my junior year of high school. I, I knew exactly what I was going to do. Um, joined the military, uh, left right out of high school, uh, tried out at the local, uh, uh, I guess, uh, talent contest on the base and went from base level and won and went to the next level. And lo and behold, uh, there was a group called Tops in Blue the same group that I had saw in my high school. Now I had the opportunity to try out for that group. Um, I actually tried out. I made the group. Um, I'm sitting there pinching myself like, wow, I have come full circle, you know, actually seeing the one thing that encouraged me to go into the military to pursue. And here I am doing that very thing a few years later. So it was, uh, it was, um, it was big for me and it gave me a lot of confidence going forward. That's amazing. That's his awesome story. And I've got a colleague here that was also a musical performer, and he was with the Navy, and he toured the world doing something very similar. I have to wonder that first day, though, of tryouts or when you're at the recruiter's office even. You know, there's guys there, like, right, showing right, right. how many push-ups they can do. There's other guys <laughs> talking about how, you know, what a good marksman they are. And then, like, you know, there exactly. you are going, just my imagination. Right. <laughs> I'm like, dude. Run Forget the guns and all that. I want to hear uh, somebody playing drums. I'm, I'm going to find a band someplace. And, man, it, it absolutely drew me in, and that was the one thing that uh, I had the pleasure of trying out for Tops and Blue and making it. And uh, that just opened my eyes musically, you know, like no, nothing else. That experience with that group taught me everything I need to know about this business and it basically gave you all the tools you needed to make the, the decision whether to go forward in entertainment or, you know, continue your career in the military. And I would suspect a little bit less toxic of an environment. You know, I mean, odds oh, are yeah, you're not yeah, necessarily going to uh, be, uh, you know, introduced to a lot of drugs, <laughs> a lot of partying. Exactly. you got to be on That's base. <laughs> And, and the whole thing about it, Phil, that drew me in with those guys is that it's like, wow, I, every guy on this stage I know could sing circles around me, could dance circles around me, but they were willing to share their knowledge with me. And I was like, wow, I know that there's no way I could have paid for all the instruction and all the encouragement and, 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 and everything that they gave us, man. There was no way I could have paid for that on the, in the outside world. And we'll be back with more when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans, 4th of July weekend show. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now this hour, we're talking with two artists that will be saluting America on PBS's annual TV tradition, a capital fourth. The concert, which in non-coronavirus years is held on the West Lawn of the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. 
A little bit later, we'll hear from country rocker and biker Brantley Gilbert. Right now, we'll return to our interview with Terry Weeks of The Legendary Temptations. We'll pick back up where he left a safe singing career in the Air Force with nothing but a dream of making it big on the streets of Hollywood. Here I am. I come with my dream like all the other millions of people who come to California. Right. And Phil, I promise you, it was within, had to be, it was less than a week, I know that. Four or five days we're there. Two of my friends are we're at sightseeing. We're up on Hollywood Boulevard walking around. And my friend comes out, of, his wife comes out of the store. She's like, hey, one of the temptations are in the store. I was like, really? Like, wow, I didn't think I would see a celebrity today. You know, silly me, it is Hollywood Boulevard, though. <laughs> right. And so we walk, we, we went in the shoe store, and he's in there, so we said we're just going to wait him out. When he comes out, we're just going to be there waiting for him. So a while goes by, he comes outside, and she's like, Mr. Williams? He's like, yeah. She's like, do you have a minute? And she turns to me, and she's like, just sing. And I, I started singing something, uh, uh, some Dunny Hathaway tune. I forget whether he was one of my favorite singers. So I go into it, and Mr. Williams stops. He looks at me. He's like, huh, okay. And he says, so what are you doing here? You here working? I said, no, I'm uh, actually, I'm still in the military. I said, I'm um, debating whether or not to get out and pursue this, you know, a, as a career and try this and see where I can go with it. And he said, really? He said, well, uh, look, let's exchange numbers. We exchanged numbers. So we did sightseeing thing and went to Venice Beach and other places later that day. Got home that evening and he had called and left two messages. Now, this was back when <laughs> answering machines were, were the thing. So here it is. You got three grown adults sitting here looking at the answering machine like it's a, a, a specimen from space. You're like, what do we do? <laughs> we plan the message over and over. I was like, well, he did say call him, and I had his number. I was like, wow. Okay, so we had to get our speech together. I was like, what do I say? Well, she was like, just call. <laughs> so I finally called. I'd start talking to him, come to find out. His wife that he's with <laughs> was from Birmingham. I said, you got to be kidding me, man. And we started talking about that and started to say, well, him and his wife, I knew some of the same people. And he said, look, you know, forget all that. He said, look, man, he said, I like what I heard. I'm interested. You know, I want to sign you to my production company and, and we can see if we can get you signed and, and see what see. I said, dude, 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 slow down. Are you kidding me? I said, but you only heard the little bit. He said, look, I know what I heard. I, this is what I do. I've done this all my life. I'm interested if you are. I said, well, put the contract together and, and we'll see what we'll go from there. And just what he said he was going to do, not maybe a month or two later, he sends the contract. Everything's on the up and up. And uh, I only had, I think, about 30 days left. And I decided, I said, hey, well, I'm out of here, guys. Said goodbye. And, uh, you know, you get the speeches like, yeah, weeks, we know you'll be back in six months. And I'm like, dude, I'm out of here. Wherever I am, it won't be back here. I said, I've made this decision. I said, I got to see it through now. And I uh, said goodbye to those guys and, and, and went forward. Here we are. There had to be people on that base that were like, man, that boy has got the best yeah. look. That airman You know, weeks. the crazy part was that years later, when I was with the Timbs, we had the opportunity to go back there and perform there in the city 
and you wouldn't believe it. There were about four or five of the guys that I was stationed with that were still there. Man, they came out with their families, and you talking about one of the most emotional times. I mean, those guys, they were like, dude, we know we said you would be back, but we didn't know you would come back this way. <laughs> and I was like, man, I didn't know it either. I said, but I knew I had to try. And I said, everything you guys said to me helped motivate me, helped get me to, to this point. And I thanked them, man, and I was so happy that they got a chance to see that. Terry Weeks would eventually go on to get the call as a fill-in and then eventually join the band. Oh, turned to me after that 10 months, and he said, he said, look, man, um, he said, we're auditioning cats as we speak. He said, I'm asking you to stay on. He said, but he said, can you dance? I was like, dude, can I dance? <laughs> I, I'm built for this. I mean, I, it's not something I envisioned seeing myself doing. I said, but I can feel that peg. I can definitely feel that peg for you. And he's like, really? I said, you know, uh, we're talking. I said, let's, let's, let's put the pedal to it. Let's do it and see what happens. And he said, okay, we went forward and Hey man, like I told him, you just, I, all I need is the opportunity. That's all I've ever asked for in life and doing anything. Just give me the, that one shot and Hey, you make it or you break it. I can live with that. That's and awesome. Hey man, I, I went in, did my thing, you know, and again, it did, it did help that the guys already knew me and they were familiar with me. And they were like, wow, we didn't know you could dance. I was like, well, you didn't ask, <laughs> I said, but <laughs> Hey, let's do it. You know? So, and it's been such a, um, that tops and blue experience basically set me up for this, man. It was a cakewalk because I already, I was familiar with everything that required to fill that position. One of my favorite parts about the interview with Terry is when he talked about winning awards with The Temptations or what it was like to actually work alongside a founding member like Otis Williams. Now, what was Otis like? Because a lot of his bandmates oh. currently, you know, weren't, I mean, they weren't there in the 60s when they were winning awards right. left and right. Was he psyched for you guys or was he like, oh, another Grammy Awards? How many times can I win a Grammy? I've got a hundred of them. Man, Phil, he was on top of the world because that's one thing he had always said to me. He said, man, I want you guys to be able to win the type of awards that I've won over the years and, and seen the things. And I always tell him, you know, when people stand and clap for me, that's the reward every time for me. That's the Grammy every night for me. You know, I didn't do it for the awards. I mean, they're great to get that, you know, but that's from our peers. Mm -hmm. And we respect that. But we do this purely for the fans, you know, because this music wouldn't be around this long if it wasn't for the fans. So we, we know that the faces change, you know, and we get a little heavier. We don't have that 28-inch waist anymore, you know, <laughs> but the music and the respect for it still remains. And that will always be. As long as I'm a part of it, that will always be. And as a guy that came up as a fan first, as a young man listening to it growing up through his teens and everything, <laughs> have you ever had a moment where you hear Otis sort of reminisce about a uh, something that happened back in the day? Any good like David Ruffin stories or little tidbits of the Temptations past? I always, um, when we get on the bus, you know, we take those long bus rides. I'm always prodding him and say, hey, you know, how was it this way? And then, but there was this one particular story where he told me about the power of music. And he said they were in a, uh, I think, uh, in a, down in Mississippi. 
and they were at the theater. And what had happened was, back then it was segregated. You had whites on one side and blacks on the other. And what had happened was, some blacks had came in and they were sitting in the white seat. So when they came in to, for, for the seating, it uh, caused a commotion. And he said they had to come out on stage and tell the people, say, look, this music has no color. He said, look, everybody sit where you want and do whatever. He said, but we're not going to start this show until we can conduct ourselves properly as adults. And he's told me then, he said he saw the power of music in a whole nother light after that day. He said, wow, this thing can stop people from fighting. He said when the show started, when he looked out in the audience, there was no segregation anymore. Everybody black and white was dancing and having a good time listening to the music. And he said that's when it hit him. He said, wow, I chose a very noble profession. And what I just witnessed this night is far powerful than, than anything he had ever seen in, that, in his life to that point. And I, he shared that with me and I was like, wow, incredible. And we'll be right back with more stories from the intersection of military veterans and music on CBS Eye on Veterans. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. So it's 4th of July weekend, and while America's birthday parties might be smaller this year due to the coronavirus, and to some degree, the protests seeking to highlight racial injustice in our country, there's one thing that's been going strong for 40 years, and that's the PBS TV special, A Capital Fourth. So this hour, we're talking with some of the musicians who recorded performances for the show, and we're finding some interesting connections to our military veterans. <laughs> My next guest is a guy who loves and supports our vets. He's donated, dedicated, and done USO tours for our troops. And as you'll hear, country superstar Brantley Gilbert gives it to you straight. Welcome to the home of the hillbilly. Yeah, baby, it's a random bomb wine, moonshine whiskey. Friend of the military and veterans everywhere, ass kicking Brantley Gilbert. How you doing, man? What's going on, brother? Appreciate you having me today, man. First, I gotta ask, as we've all been in lockdown, and like, you're a musician, you creative types don't do well when you're caged. What have you been up to for this coronacation? Man, actually, uh, you know, it's been kind of good to slow down. I've been able to spend a lot more family time than, than I would if I was you know, out on the road three, four days out of the week. Uh, that being said, you know, I think my wife married me with the idea in mind that I'd be gone a lot. And, <laughs> uh, she's an extremely independent woman, so she's probably ready to get my butt out of the house. But uh, we've actually had a project, man. A lot of my band guys, a lot of my crew guys, even guys from Nashville have come down and helped me uh, build what we're calling the dog house. It's, a, it's just a giant man cave. It, the bus goes in. i got cars going in it, motorcycles. And, uh, it's like a game room slash showroom slash uh, shop. It's been a lot of fun, man. We're we're actually supposed to finish up today. Wow, very cool. So it's like a giant garage, like the garage Mahal. There you go. <laughs> I like what you did there. <laughs> That's cool. If I can ask, where do you live, or like what state are you in? I actually live in Georgia, 
And I'm uh, I moved to Nashville for about a year, and absolutely, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the, the town or the people in it. I just uh, my wife's from around here, uh, my family's here, and man, all all my brothers are here. These are folks that have known me before everything happened, man, and it's just been healthy for me to, to be around a crowd that kind of holds me accountable and isn't afraid to call me out. I feel like it just kind of keeps me grounded, man, and, and uh, you know, home's home, and, and this is home. And it's good to stay with your original friends because I imagine if you try to pull the I'm fancy or something card, they're just they're going to say, no, no, Brantley, shut up. You're just <laughs> Real quick, like. <laughs> That's cool, man. Let's talk music. There's a new one out, and I couldn't help but notice how it hits bullseye for so many of us in America right now. If you never had a days, if you never had a heartbreak, never had more than you can take, carried away, life on your shoulders. Tell me about where you were and how you wrote it. For me, it's just, you know, about finding or even just acknowledging hope is there. I feel like a lot of times, you know, there's there's hope within arm's reach but we get so buried in the moment and in our in our own feelings that, you know, we may just look right over the top of it. But, you know, it's about taking the good with the bad and appreciating the bad that leads to the good and uh, you know, but the story behind the song I feel like, you know, the the other writers on the song, the co-writers on the song, have amazing stories that go with it. Logan Wall actually got a call uh, the night before the write about a family emergency type situation and brought the idea in. And while the song was being written, Jay Brunswick got a call about a family emergency and let somebody let him know that a family member had passed. And well, man, I'll tell you with this song just just real quick is one of the coolest things about it to me is I know when I've I've gone through some of my hard days in life. My pet peeve was is for somebody to say, "Oh man, I know what you're going through, or I know how that feels, or I, I you know, I've been there." And they we're all as different as our fingerprints, and you know, for me, especially when it comes to veterans and active duty guys and girls, I would never in a million years say that. You know, because there's there's no way I can fathom what you guys and girls go through, and. I just have all the respect in the world for it. But, you know, this song is one that meets you where you are, kind of on your terms, you know. It's not preachy. It's not soapboxy. It's not not anything that says, I know where you're at or I know what you're feeling. It's it's one of those things that just kind of puts a bug in your ear and lets you, lets you, you know, apply it to yourself and whatever your story is. You wouldn't know a dream come true from a few that don't. And I know that that kind of helps augment your connection to the military and to veterans. And you've done a bunch of USO shows for troops in the past. Tell me about some of the friends you made or some of the experiences you had on the USO tours. It's unbelievable. I remember my first USO tour. Uh, it was something we'd wanted to do forever. We went to Germany and Italy and uh, Kuwait, and man, it was like we were so excited to be there. It's just the most appreciative group of people you can work with, and, and you know, every time I've done anything involved with the military, I've you know, it's been life changing, it's, and it's been an experience that leads to another opportunity to help. And 
you know, just lend a hand or do whatever it is, whether it's time or money or whatever, whatever we can do to kind of pitch in and not do our part because, you know, I, I didn't sign up and, and didn't didn't pay my dues in the military. And that's probably something looking back that I will always, I think, in the back of my mind, wish I had done something. So those things were not necessarily making up for lost time, but just trying to, to give back to the folks who have sacrificed so much for this freedom I've enjoyed. You know, we were um, building, you know, that barn and the the bar itself is actually a, a shadow box and it's all the challenge coins and patches that and medals that guys and girls have given me through the years and, and you just don't know what to do with them because you know you didn't earn them they were gifts but I wanted to have somewhere where I could keep them where number one if I ever pissed anybody off I knew where it was I could give it back <laughs> <laughs> but two just something where people could you know, look and ask questions and, you know, start conversations. And one of the things that's in there, there are dog tags and uh, the metal bands, uh, gone but not forgotten bands. And and I have so many of them. And there's there's one, you know, or actually a few squares on the bar that, uh, that have the 22 a day in there. And uh, we put as many bands as we could fit in there. But I tell you, man, looking at them last night, it was like, you know, I was looking at some of the, the dates that people passed away or were taking and be killed in action. And I was like, man, I wonder what I was doing on October 31st in 2006. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? I guarantee you I wasn't doing what this guy was doing. I know I wasn't. Hmm. And whatever I was going through is just pales in comparison to that, you know. Um, it's just kind of one of those things that puts it in perspective. Yeah, man. And let me tell you, every time you look down, that's exactly what they would want you to be doing, is having a beer right there with them. I always think of my buddy Ronnie Wildrick, walked his last step in Helmand Province, Afghanistan, and uh, I know that he would want me to be having that, and that's that's a cool way to put, you know, that bar together. I'll share with you a little fact. If you ever carry around one of those coins or, or somebody happens to have one, if you have a higher ranking coin than someone that breaks theirs out, they got to buy the next drink. So uh, put that to work the next time somebody's uh, drinking at your bar. <laughs> tell them they oh, gotta... yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. I've got a seal team six coin. Oh, dude. Then you trump just about everybody, man. That's yeah. Awesome. And then I got a few that were that were given from commanding officers. Like I got one for a command sergeant major. Yeah. And uh, I got one from a master chief. And then what was, uh, there's one from joint chief, joint, chief of, joint chief of staff that I have. Oh, man. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. So, man, it's, it's cool to look down and, and see those and read them and, and find out what they are and man they're so they're all so unique in their own way and and I think what it represents is just incredible. And we'll talk some more with country superstar Brantley Gilbert when CBS Ion Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and we'll return now to our conversation with country superstar Brantley Gilbert. 
I recently talked with him about his love and respect for all things military, which is why he's performing this weekend on the PBS TV special, A Capital Fourth. We also talked about a combat veteran that became a good friend of his. You got a Purple Heart from a guy named Staff Sergeant Justin Patterson. Tell me about your relationship with him and how you guys became friends. Man, we did a, a Harley ride, and he was one of those guys, you know, we found out working with a lot of veterans that, you know, a lot of times you, you go out and, and they set these events up for these guys, and a lot of times their significant others and family members have to push them to go. You know, and, and he was one of those. It was a Harley ride, but he didn't really know what it was about, and, and you know, he uh, had some traumatic brain injuries. Uh, you know, some of the stuff he deals with, man, it's just un- unbelievable. But his wife talked him into going, and he got there, and he said his side of the story, what he tells me, he said, man, we heard there was, I heard there was a country singer coming, and he said, I figured that, you know, you'd probably just ride on your bus and then get off and take a picture on the bike. He said, but, you know, I think he, he liked to actually rode with them. I'm a biker or a motorcycle enthusiast at least. And, <laughs> uh, and you know, when we parked, we just hung out with him. And he, he thought that was really cool. And, and I guess he got to talking to some of the guys about some of the stuff that I've tried to do through the years. And I, I don't know what it was that led him to do that in, in particular, man. He's just an incredible guy. We formed a friendship, and I still talk to him at least a couple times a week. I'm just an amazing man. He's been able to to use that platform. You know, that video went crazy. A lot of people uh, saw it, and it gave him a platform, you know, to to speak out and help. And it, it's, it, I think it's been a little bit of self-treatment for him. And it always makes it feel so much better to be doing it. I even know with this show, I mean, you know, I'm not half the warfighter that some of the guys I talk to are. But when I'm doing this, and I'm able to elevate their voice, elevate their story, uh, just as you kind of elevate things through your music and your exposure. I, it just feels good doing it, man, and I can't thank you enough. So never think you're not doing enough, man, because that's, uh, that's what it's all about. Do you identify with vets maybe because of some stuff that you've gone through? Because I wanted to ask you about this. I'd read once that you almost died in a truck accident when you were like 19 years old. Yeah, it was a doozy. But man, I, I'll be honest with you, and this is this is just being completely transparent and honest. Is looking back on the things I've dealt with, whether it be that wreck or addiction or loss, to be hearing some of the stories that I've heard from veterans and, and from folks that are still serving, and it really does put things in perspective. And and you know, we all have things that we go through. We all have hard days. Not to bring up the song, but yeah, yeah, you know. Again, man, it's 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 hard to look at, at the, the battles I've had in my life and compare it to being shot at and fighting for my life every day. Uh, when I was when I was battling addiction, you know that was a war, but spiritual war for me. But uh, you know, man, I, I I wasn't getting shot at. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't there wasn't somebody trying to kill me every day. Um, it was it was me. You know, I was my enemy. So. Can I ask, when you were coming out of your addictions and such, um, what was it that snapped for you? What was it that snapped into place? Was it faith? Was it just wanting to be a better guy? Was it being a husband all of a sudden? I mean, because that's something that's not unique. That's something that we all share on this earth. You know, you don't walk out of here without some dents and dings and trauma and drama affect 
everyone. What was it that kind of picked you up by your bootstraps and said, all right, Brantley, let's get back to right? There are a few things, man. It was, it was you know, one, I was, I was raised to be a, a good husband and a good father at some point. And I, I wasn't anywhere close. Uh, that, that wasn't even in my peripheral. I was the things that I was concerned about, and the things that I, I was doing had nothing to do with either one of those things. Um, and then my wife would never have come back in the picture if I was if I was still uh, <laughs> hitting the bottle like it's my best friend. So, um, but it was that there were some physical things, some medical things that I was kind of running out of runway on. Um, yeah, you can only <laughs> yeah, have a, yeah. so many doctors tell you, Hey, if you don't quit, you're going to die <laughs> before you go, you know, maybe I should quit. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. but also just decisions I was making, I, I wasn't, I wasn't really proud of the direction I was headed in and I knew it was something that had to change. And also one of the things where I like to be in control of me. And it was the one thing in my life when I got to a point, I was like, yeah, I need to cut this out. I'm not, this isn't for me. You know, I can't handle it like other people can. I don't have an off switch. I think I'm a lot tougher than I am when I drink, a lot bigger. <laughs> um, you know, it was, and, and I decided to kind of put a nail in that coffin and couldn't physically. You know what I mean? It was just, uh, it, it had become a physical addiction and, and I didn't like the idea of something owning me, you know, and dictating whether or not I, I used it or didn't use it. And it was just time for me. And that was, that was part of growing up for me. That was part of becoming a man was, uh, you know, to quit numbing everything and, and address some stuff and, and make some changes. So, so that I could be a better man for the people in my life. Uh, final thought, uh, what are you hoping for the country right now? What are you hoping going forward in 2020? Yeah, I've been extremely careful um, about commenting on what's going on because some of the issues at hand uh are not things that I've experienced and I learned that if you don't have firsthand knowledge of something, a lot of times you, you, you create, you become more of the problem than the solution. I know a lot of what's going on right now, people have voices that need to be heard. Uh, I hope that we can, you know, address some of the misplaced hate, uh, and get back to what it is that, that, uh, that makes us love each other, man. I think, you know, I think we need to, give this country back to God. I think we've, we've tried to figure that on our own. And, and, uh, you know, I just, I hope we, we find the capacity and, and want to, to, to love one another and make our country better. I know you guys and girls didn't go overseas and get shot at and, you know, lose friends and, and folks for, for us to tear up here, well, you know, to come back home, to this so I hope we can we can get it straightened up for y'all sooner than later now you can see both of our guests today on the 4th of July TV special A Capital 4th and just check your local PBS station listings for details and if you want to hear more from the Temptations Terry Weeks you can hear our interview on the podcast Vet Story from Military to Motown and if you want to hear the full length interview with Brantley Gilbert Check out the recent podcast section of ConnectingVets.com. 
I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs wishing America happy birthday. And I'll salute you all again on the next episode of CBS Eye on Veterans. There ain't no doubt in my mind. Country must be country wild. Eye on Veterans Weekend has been presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. Choose from 90-plus programs and specializations to accelerate your military or civilian career and find out how our dedicated military and veteran advisors can help you navigate your benefits to save you time and money. University of Maryland Global Campus. Find out how we're made for you. Visit umgc.edu. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Eye on Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus starting May 1st. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews, and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.